Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. to the Cut By Podcast with your hosts Nick Moran and Jay Pearson. Hello everybody and welcome to the Cut By Podcast. In this episode we are delighted to welcome a boyhood red whose ultimate dream came true. After spending three years at Bolton making a huge impact on the team, helping them gain promotion to the Premier League and starring for Republic of Ireland at the 94 World Cup. It's no wonder Roy Evans spent four and a half million pounds in September 95 and added one of the best young talents around to an already impressive squad. He was known for delivering dangerous crosses into the penalty area after energetic runs down the right flank. He was tireless in his efforts and sacrificed himself for the Liverpool team. Not to mention an incredible personality to have around the dressing room. It is, of course, Jason McAteer. Jason, thanks for being with me today, mate. I really appreciate it. How are you, mate? Great to uh, catch up. I know we've been trying to get together for a while, but we've managed to do it, yeah. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, mate, yeah. Oh, good. Well, again, appreciate your contribution to this as well, mate. Really, really appreciate it. So we'll get straight into it. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but you were nearly at Blackburn, wasn't you, before the 11th hour, before the uh, the call came in to come to Liverpool? Um, so can you remember how the deal for Liverpool came about? Yeah, it was all um, it was all crazy stuff, mate. And I'm, I can talk about it now because obviously I'm not in the game or in the game. Um, yeah. Liverpool, I used to get the odd phone call from Sammy Lee every now and again, um, just asking him what was going on, if anything was to happen, just to make sure yeah. that he knew. Um, so I, I, I had an inkling Liverpool were watching me and obviously Ron Yates and, and Evo were coming down to Burnham Park and watching, you know, nighttime games when we were playing. So... Me and Stubbsy used to cast our eye. We used to go in and put our tickets in for the family, but we used to look down the list of all the uh, the VIPs, and like it'd be Brian Kidd would be there, and then it would be like Roy Evans, uh, Ronnie Moran, or um, Ron Yates, and we'd we'd, yeah. we'd get excited because uh, obviously we were the young kids in the team, and obviously we thought they'd be coming to watch us. So 
I kind of had an inkling that they were watching me, but um, as most transfers, mate, they come out the blue. You don't know they're going to happen. And I was literally driving in with Stubbsy and the phone went, it was our agent. And he basically just said, listen, um, Bolton have agreed nine million quid. And I was, it was like, we're just hoping it was Liverpool. And then it was with Black Bear Rovers. And it was kind of a bit like, it was nice. It was obviously, it was nice and it was exciting, but it wasn't Liverpool. But for me, it was Kenny. And Kenny was my hero growing up. So obviously I knew I'd had the chance to meet him now. But, you know, I kind of let Sammy know uh, what was going on uh, on the way up to the hotel to meet Kenny. And then it was all just, you know, it was all just about timing and, and whether it was going to happen. I went in and met Kenny. I went into the meeting first. Stubbsy waited outside. And then during the meeting, my agent's phone went and he took the call outside and he come back in and he said, um, Kenny Liverpool have agreed four and a half million quid with, uh, which is about 90 million quid these days, isn't it? Think oh, back yeah, in, yeah, yeah. yeah. Back Inflation, in the, absolutely. Uh, absolutely, about 90 million. So, um, so I went, I just looked at Kenny and I went, what do you think? And he said, the deal's off. And he got, he got really like, you know, he got put on the back foot and he knew me being a big Liverpool fan that, um, you know, it was going to be difficult then for me to, you know, go and talk to them, but turn them down. Yeah. So Kenny called the deal off. I think he tried to put a bit of pressure on me with Alan because obviously he was going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went up to Anfield and, um, yeah, went to meet Roy Evans. Um, Peter Robinson was there, chief exec. Went in with my agent. They, they had a box and we, um, and we sort of, we didn't thrash out a deal because my mind was, you know, it was always, yeah. it was always going to be signed for Liverpool. And when they started talking about money, I, I got up and walked out. I didn't really want to know about, you know, what I was going to sign for, you know, what kind of money I was going to get. For me, you know, the dream had come true and it was just about putting pen to paper. I actually said to my agent, don't mess this up as I walked out. And I, I remember walking up down the corridor, looking at the pictures and, you know, the old main stand, it was, you know, it was amazing and the adrenaline was going and then I got called back in and it was all done. And then, you know, they wanted the signature there and then so signed. But then I had the, the tough task of bringing Kenny back up and telling him that I'd signed for Liverpool. And Kenny's Kenny's reaction was, um, I hope you enjoy playing at Hague Avenue. So I said, oh, cheers, Kenny. So when I come off the phone, I said to my agent, who plays at Hague Avenue? And he went, Southport. And he said, uh, and Liverpool reserves. And I thought, oh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> so, you know uh, he, he wouldn't have begrudged you, though, would you? Do you know what I mean? He's not that type of fella. So I just good, 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 good comic chat for him in there. Yeah. And, and, and you know, he, he'd lost, you know, he'd lost the play he wanted. It was a bit of a rebuild for Blackburn after winning the title. He mm. wanted to freshen it up. He wanted me and Stubbsy. And, you know, he, he put a lot of effort into getting us, and you know, we probably trying to get nine million at the time out of yeah. You know, Jack Walker would have been a would have been a tough ask. So, you know, he, he obviously was let down. I understand it now, um, and you know, we're good friends. We've we've patched it all up, and, and we're good friends. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing, yeah. But that's that's life, isn't it? That's it. And do you know, it's so. I mean, you were in such a unique position because you've got the champions that want you, but then there's the boy club, and from a career perspective and stuff like that you think that's a a very strange direction in terms of like 
wow, do I go and sign for the Champions or my boy or club? And it's it it doesn't matter. It's what's in your heart, doesn't it? Emotion takes over, yeah. And yeah, I didn't sign pro till I was twenty. I was mm. working at pub, you know. I was a college studying graphic design. I'd been to America for a scholarship, which I, I'd got. I was, you know, literally on the way back to America before Bolton signed. Yeah. And, you know, next thing I'm playing in the World Cup for Ireland. Next thing I'm in front of Kenny Daglish. Next thing Liverpool want me to sign. And it's it's kind of like for a 24-year-old, you know, it's a lot to take in. And you don't think, you don't think what if, you don't think this, you don't think all oh, ever don't play, you don't, you just don't think, you just think. I'm a Liverpool fan. I get the opportunity to play for Liverpool. I'm always going to sign and, and let's see what happens. And, and, and it was literally, you know, I was just on this, this, this curve, mm. going deep curve, successful curve, and everything was dropping in. I was the fittest I could ever be. I was the most, you know, enthusiastic. You know, I trained hard. I was fit. I didn't drink, you know. Although my introduction to the Irish team, uh, you know, and Guinness... <laughs> That had happened. But, you know, I was joining this young, you know, team. The 90s was taken off. It was a great time to be alive. It was a great yeah. time to be football. There was no camera phones. There was no, you know, the 90s was, was about music and Manchester and Liverpool and fashion was coming into football. And, yeah. you know, they'd gone from, you know, they'd gone from, probably a couple of grand a week to, you know, to 15 grand a week, 20 grand a week, some players. Yeah. So, you know, it was a good time to be around. It was indeed. And it summed up perfectly. It's exactly how, like, people of my age, you know, 35, 36 years of age, that was our time and our peak of, of like, sort of getting into footy when you really start paying attention. You know, people say, obviously, I've watched Liverpool since it was three and four. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, how much memories do you have? You don't get it until you sort of, like, nine, ten, in, you know, understanding the game a bit more, don't you? And you are right. Everything you say about there is just incredible. But you missed out one important thing. You're also the first cover star for FIFA. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah, well, again, yeah. You know, it was hit and miss at the time. I mean, it's very acceptable these days, adverts yeah. and, you know, doing other, you know, following other, you know, avenues in football and the game and sports and business. You know, they all go hand in hand now. But the 90s was very much, it had gone from, football had gone from a drinking culture to a very fashionable and glamorous game. Um, business was just starting to come into it and the businessmen were realising there was, you know, a lot of money to be made, but there was a lot, a lot of money to be made. Yeah. Um, so, you know, agents were starting to, to come out the woodwork or starting to, you know, become the thing. Um, and, yeah, you know, FIFA approached me '96 uh, after off the back of. I mean, you've stepped forward quite a lot there because FIFA come back when I was probably, you know, just hitting the heights of, you know, of being around and and, and being spoke about as a, as a proper player, really. And mm. you know, I was featuring heavily for Ireland. I've been the World Cup. We played in the you know the Euros qualifiers. Liverpool had almost won the league. We've been the cup final. You know, we were a very fashionable team. Jamie, you know, was at the forefront of that. You know, we were about to sign Patrick. David James was modelling for Armani. And, you know, as much as we were battling with the fans, there was, you know, there was a, was it a minority or a majority? It would probably split. You know, some fans were saying, you know, what's going on here? They couldn't understand we were doing adverts for Washington, mm. doing adverts for the... Yeah. 
I've done a BP advert, Jamie had done an advert, and David James modeling for Armani, John Scales had done an advert, Barnes was doing Mars. You know, people couldn't quite grasp, you know, they, they should be at home eating pasta and sleeping. Mm. And, you yeah. know, we didn't Saturday, it'd be because I was modeling on the Monday previous or yeah. I was in an advert or, it was, you know, there was always a connection between, well, they're not taking it serious. And possibly mm. that's where the Spice Boys tag come, but, you know, we'll go into, I'm sure, that later. But, you know, yeah. a lot of the club, a lot of the crowd who, you know, were willing for change and accepting change. And there was a lot of the crowd who didn't want to accept change and were old school and this is how it should be. So, you know, we took criticism for it and, mm. you know, that's it. You know, we just had to get on with it, really. Absolutely, yeah. But there's a lot of people that can't understand, they don't understand that football has to move on and time change. Like you said, it became from, you know, just, you know, don't go on a, on, a, on a Saturday to it's a full-time business now. And, you know, like you said, you've got to be a lot more strict in terms of what you do. So in terms of that, because like you said, you know, fat, you know, a few, few years earlier, was it Washington in, in, in America that, where you were going? Was it Washington you had the scholarship? Uh, no, I had, um, I went to play for a team called the Washington Stars. And yeah. it was a young sort of semi-professional team. And it was kind of the team when, um, what would happen is the universities would finish and a load of lads would would play for the Washington Stars while they were yeah. off. Got it. And I went and played for them. But what happened was because there were so many good players playing for them, a lot of university scouts came down and watched. And mm-hmm. I ended up getting a scholarship in Ohio, a, a university called Tiffin University in Ohio. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like a Clemson or a Notre Dame or anything like that, but it was a, yeah. a good school. And yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, um, I was gonna go to that university, go back there. Yeah, mm. it's crazy because, like, like I said, you, you've in your mindset, you never would have thought at the time I'm going to be playing for Liverpool in a few years' time. And when you did get into the squad, obviously it was predominantly UK-based players, which is what it was back then, and um, before obviously the foreign influx of players. But for me, I thought when you signed, you settled in pretty quickly because you had the personality which matched the likes of Maka, Fowler, Redknapp, Jamo. Did did you feel the exact same way? Like you just slotted straight in. Yeah, I mean, you've got a. I mean, you like it. Like, I mean, you said it before. A kid at Christmas, you know, you sign, and then, you know, I think what what really helped me was, and I, I was talking about it the other day, actually. In fact, yes, yesterday I was talking to Dean Saunders about it. I'd gone and I got away with Ireland, and you know, I, I possibly, you know, I possibly wouldn't have settled as quick or I mightn't have been as confident had I not gone the World Cup with Ireland because, you know, I was playing for Bolton in the Championship. Um, you know, we'd been to Wembley that the season and played in the League Cup against Liverpool. Yeah. And then, when, you know, we then went on a mad run and ended up in the playoff final against Reading, got promotion to the Premier League, 2-0 down in the final, 1-4-3. Um, I literally didn't even celebrate, you know, get promotion because I was away with them straight with the, with the Ireland team. I'd played against Germany in Hanover in a friendly and set one up for Cass. We won 2-0. They were the world champions at the time. Yeah. Really, really well. And, you know, I'm now mixing with Paul McGrath, Andy Townsend, Ronnie Whelan, John Aldridge, Ray Alton, Steve Staunton. You know, I'm mixing with all these superstars. And I'm just this kid who plays for Bolton, who just like, <laughs> is just playing footy. It's just like, I don't know anything else. 
I'd signed yeah. on the dole three years previous, you know, when coming out of college, I'd finished and I had to go on the dole. Now I'm like training with these lads and playing for Ireland and stuff. And, you know, you just, but I was that fit and that, you know, that ready for it. I just took everything in my stride. I was never yeah. felt it was just, I couldn't wait to play. I love playing games. You know, I was getting this confidence where, you know, I was running players. I was better than players. I was, you know, winning, winning tackles and scoring goals and, you know, dictating play. And next thing thinking, this is easy. You know, I'm yeah. at, I'm <laughs> games. You know, it was like where you get kicked and punched. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for this. Marine was a, you know, reserves was a bit of a baptism, but, you know, mm. going into league football was just, I felt it a lot easier. Yeah. And, you know, then you sign for Liverpool, you know, all right, you walk into a dressing room, it's Barnes, Rush at the time, Mulby's there. Oh, Macca, Robbie, Jamo, Babsy, who are new from Ireland. And then you've got Macca, you know, and then you've got Redknapp and, you know, and it, it, Collymore had signed for like 9 million or 8 million or whatever it was. And, you know, all of a sudden you've got to, you've got to switch on and become, mm. you know, you've got to, you, you've got to become a, a Liverpool player. What I did, realize is the pressure and the enormity of signing going from Bolton to Liverpool you sign for the one of the biggest clubs in the world yeah. and you know about it the fan mail's like ridiculous wow. you know ever the expectation the fans waiting for you to train and you know you go outside the gates there's like 100 people you know you go to the ground there's like there was 45 people a thousand people at the time you know Bolton were in front of 20 it, it, it was just Everything was just stepped up massively. You yeah. couldn't go. Everyone wanted a picture. Everyone wanted an autograph. You couldn't go into Liverpool. Everyone wanted to know you. The phone didn't stop ringing off the agent. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Can we do this? Can you do that? You're just like, whoa! It's like, wow. Then you've got to win games on a Saturday, which be, which is the most important part. But it it, it is difficult. It is difficult. Yeah. But because they were my age, we all, I felt we all went through it together. Yeah. Uh, the- I th- I, you could see that from the fan base as well, because like me at the time, you know, I, I bought every magazine going, read read every interview. You know, I've, I've still got a couple from when Berger signed and the magazine. There's one where it it, it, it follows you for the day and it goes through uh, what McAteer did this day and his kit launch and all that sort of stuff. And you do feel that, but you felt, because like you said, you're the same age, you're all going through it together. And Evans had this really good style of play where you're playing 3-5-2. Now, mm. I know in that first season you were predominantly used as as a wing back, and you played I think it was forty games in your first season. That's amazing, considering it was a case of like this this lad's young coming from Bolton, no disrespect to Bolton, but like you said, big step up. It just seemed it just seemed dead natural to you. Yeah, I mean, I signed. I was a centre midfielder. Well, ironically, mm-hmm. I signed for Bolton as a right winger, and then Bruce Rioch put me in the middle of the park, and I loved it. I loved it. I played with Tony Kelly, another scouser, and he sat. And I just done all the running. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Bruce was a centre midfielder as well. So we worked closely after training on technique and shooting and tracking and stuff like that, losing players. And then I went to Liverpool. And in all honesty, mate, you know, the talks I had with Roy was um, was basically replacing Barnsley. You know, oh. me, and, me and Jamie were going to be that midfield partnership. Mickey Thomas yeah. was cover. Um and basically, it was going to be me and Jamie running the midfield, yeah? Macker with a free roll. Um, they had an idea of going 3-5-2. But I think, I think whatever we've done is he, he kind of, a, 
I kind of think he fell upon that system rather than an accommodated players. Maka loved the free roll. Mm. He wanted two strikers in the team, so Stan and Robbie. Maka with the free roll. He had four centre-halves, really good centre-halves, but he wanted three of them in the team. So he had to go three at the back. Then he had me ready to play midfield, but Barnsley, you know, just never give the ball away and just look like he was fit as. So he didn't really want to move Barnsley. Jamie was just, he was the quarterback. You know, where was he going to get me in the team? And I kind of, I played a couple of games set midfield to begin with. Yeah. And I find my feet. And then Rob Jones got injured and Evo said to me, listen, I want you to play wing back. And I've got to admit, mate, I absolutely loved it. It yeah. was just up and down. I had righty protecting me behind me, England centre half. I didn't have to really defend, which wasn't a strong point of mine. And I yeah. just love running. I mean, these, these skip Jordan <laughs> Anderson now, don't they? I, don't, I do more running than Jordan Anderson. I just, <laughs> I was up and down, up and down. And, you know, and Liverpool, there's always options, there's always people on. Yeah. And I just, Blotted in, mate, and it was kind of made for me the position. I just loved it. But we did play some scintillating football that season, and you know, it was one of them things where we should have been a lot closer to the title than what we were. But obviously, the most famous game of that season was the Newcastle 4 3 game, uh, where you played an absolute blinder once again. But, mate, it's, it goes down in history as the greatest Premier League game of all time, and I completely agree with that. But how good was it to be in it? Well, obviously they were going for the title, but we were still in the race. You know, we'd um, we dropped some silly points. That's people always blame us defensively for, the, for you know around two or three seasons, like ninety five, mm. ninety six, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety seven, ninety eight. We always go, oh, the defense cost them. If you look, if you look at the records and the stats defensively, we had one of the best defenses yes. in the league. Yeah, we did. You know, actually, the other end where we didn't mm. score as many goals, maybe as a Newcastle or an Arsenal, but defensively we we were solid. Our problem was lack, lapses of concentration in teams we should have been beaten, likes mm. of Coventry, likes of possibly a Sheffield Wednesday at the time. You know, we yeah. you know we win one nil. The trouble with us is, I think, was game management. Right. You know, this team now we're looking at. I think they had a problem with game management, and I think it's been addressed over the the last couple of seasons, last three seasons, and they'll see out a game at one nil now where we would be 1-0, we'd want the second, we'd want the third, I'd be bombing on down the right, Stig would be on the left, you know, they'd still be making runs from midfield, Macca would still try and be down the score, Robbie would try, we'd give the ball away in silly areas and get punished, and we'd end up drawing the game 1-1, or yeah. we'll give a silly corner away, you know, and then I remember Coventry, Dion Dublin scored two from two identical corners, but they were they were silly corners we give away. You know, it was just lapses of concentration where we should have managed the game a lot, lot better. Um, and that's where, that's where we dropped points. But the Newcastle game was, you know, it was billed, you know, it was, it was either going to be a classic or it was going to be a non-event. A bit yeah. like the night Cup final. There was that much talent on the pitch, that much attacking talent on the pitch. There was always going to be goals. It was just how they were going to come and how it was going to play out. And yeah. under the lights... Crowd, for some reason, night games are always brilliant. Um, I don't know what it is, but it, they just always seem better. Um, and, you know, from the first whistle, both teams, it was kind of like gloves off. Yeah. Let's go. And that's it. You know, I'll take a punch off you. You take a punch <laughs> off me. Like whoever's standing at the end wins the fight. And, mm. you know, it was. We went toe to toe. And, 
you know, there was mistakes in there, but there was moments of brilliance. It had everything apart from a sending off, but it had yeah. absolutely everything as a football match could ever want. And, you know, last minute winners are always magic, aren't they? And that was yeah. the ice on. Yeah. It was. And do you know what makes me laugh? Because lightning striking twice had happened, obviously, again the following year. And not to skip forward in terms of the, the season by season, but just while we're on that game. For yeah. me, I, I prefer the second one. I don't know why. I just prefer because we were 3-0 up and then it's entire lapse of concentration the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, you know, great. Exactly. You know, you played a great assist uh, for, for Maka for the, for the first goal and then Fowler pops up with a... Do you know what? Stigby on of his left foot is so underrated. It doesn't get appreciated as much. And Fowler bangs in with his head. So, I don't know. I don't know why I've always had that more affiliation with the second one. Probably because Patrick Berger scored and that's probably fucking why. <laughs> yeah, I think the second one was... Um... You know, they obviously, uh, they, you know, everyone was sort of about, it can't happen again. It can't <laughs> yeah. happen again. Different manager for Newcastle um, as well. And, but again, you know, if I remember rightly, the game actually got cancelled because sadly, Princess Diana passed away. It was a Sunday game and it, it got cancelled and got rearranged and we ended up playing it uh, in the evening. So obviously it was set up again to, you know, to be another classic. But again, same same result, but different, completely different game. 3-0 yeah. up, you know, and then we get pegged peg back 3-3. And you know what people say to me, what do you remember about that game? And I'll tell you what I remember about that game is when the third goal went in, my actual first thought was the gaffer's going to go mad and we're not going to be off tomorrow now. We're actually, he's going to get a win. Because <laughs> you usually get the day off, like after the middle of course, yeah. And you think like, and like you plan to go shopping or something, or like you plan the day out or something. And I just You're not thought, going anywhere. I know I'm not gonna go, I'm not can't go shopping now. And I was like, <laughs> that was my thought. I was like, shit. And then um, <laughs> and then it's just again, it's one of them gloves off, rocky scenario. And then yeah. obviously, um, as you said, Stig's left foot just comes up, Trump's done it. Robbie brave as a lion, you know. And, and gets above the centre halves and just wins, you know, all the determination in the world just wins the ball and we we end up winning um you know winning the game. That Robbie was the Robbie was the winner in that game, wasn't it? It was Colin yeah. in was the the fourth three right, yeah. first yeah. yeah. So you know again last minute winners and you know they make the occasion so special. But uh, two amazing amazing games. Yeah. Unbelievable mate. Um, you mentioned before about the FA Cup final. Like I said, I don't want to touch on the game at all because it'll put everyone to sleep, um, like you said. But I loved about it was when you were on camera and John Barnes was there with you and you were like, you, you could see like, oh my God, I'm stood next to John Barnes type thing because when the commentator had said, well, the interview at the time said, you know, you stood there and, you know, how are you feeling, you know, considering this is your boy or club? And you said, well, you said it earlier about you know four or five years ago. I'm I'm playing in college and now I'm about to share the pitch with John Barnes in the FA Cup final. Just at college, you know, and I look come here today and I'm playing with the likes of John Barnes, who's one of my heroes and that, and in a cup final. Can't believe it. Nap's going to join us. You two do. Great. Jamie, you Chase. do socialise together, don't you? Nice to meet you, mate. You right, yeah? yeah, nice suit. Thank you. Jamie, you feeling nervous? That's what you're talking about about the, the togetherness of the squad and how comical it was, and it just seemed like you just so relaxed. But mate, yeah. honestly, just seeing your face. On that interview we, on the pitch, it's like, wow. We were actually very, very close. Um, you know, we'd done a lot of stuff off the pitch, certainly me and Jamie. Um, you know, we practically lived together and mm. we, had a, we had an unbelievable relationship um, on and off the pitch. You know, we, we got a relationship where I knew if he got the ball, you know, he was one of the best in the business, of, you know, yeah. range passing. I, I was on my way. 
And if he could put me in, he put me in. I mean, there's a, yeah. a goal scored against Nottingham Forest, I think, which epitomises our relationship um, down at their place. You know, he gets it out of his feet. I just get on my bike and he, he fizzes a 50-yard diag and I take it first time. It's like, and then I cut it back, Robbie scores. But, you know, Jamie was, you know, he was the quarterback in the team and you just knew he, was, he could deliver. But we were very, very close. Um, yeah, the cup final... For me, you know, Manchester United, you know, I knew I was marking Giggsy. He was a massive threat, probably one of the best players in the Premier League. And, you know, what happened with me and him probably epitomised the game. I mentioned it before against Newcastle. You've got that much talent on the pitch. It goes one way or the other. You either cancel each other out or, like, me and Ginola was, was the opposite of me and Giggsy. So I kind of threw caution to the wind with Ginola, thinking, if I worry about him, I'm not going to be able to do what I'm good at going that way. So it's cat and mouse. And he went the other way and went, well, I ain't tracking back, which is his attitude. So we both, instead of it being me and him like that, kicking that way, it ended up being him going that way, me going that way, and us being like that. So got it. Like, he ain't going to track me back and I ain't going to track him back. So you get the best. So but when it was the cup final, me and Giggsy were like that and we stayed like that. And I marked him and he marked me and nothing happened. And it happened in the game. You know, Macker and Roy, nothing happened. Stan, mm. Robbie marked out the game. Coley got marked out the game. I mean, Coley had one really good chance. Redknapp had our chance in the first half, put it over. And that was it. That was it. I mean, it wasn't a bad, bad game. It was just very tactical and very... Um, we nullified each other. Yeah. But the cup final... Mate, I, you know, I grew up as a kid, like you, you know, cup final was always a big day in our house. And grandstand, ITV sport, whatever it yeah. was. All day. To, it was, you know, you, you watch them wake up in the hotel... You watch them have breakfast, question the sport. You watch them get on the bus. You know, the highlights, whatever. Um, the, the trip to Wembley Way, walking out onto the pitch to see the pitch. Interviews, back in, whatever. FA Cup, three o'clock. What a day that was, you know. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm driving up Wembley Way. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the cup final. It's like yeah. the cup final. And then... You know, I went to you know I went to the cup final when we drew two two with Everton. Um, Cole scored two. Um, you know, so you know I've been to that cup final to watch Liverpool. I'm on the bus. Next thing, I'm on the pitch. I'm in the dressing room. You go up the tunnel, the long walk onto the pitch. I'm on the pitch now. You know, doing interviews for Liverpool in the FA Cup final. <laughs> if oh, I'm, you can't, you can't yeah. buy it. it. It's just. You know, and as as well as I played in the sense of you know Giggsy, because everyone goes, you didn't play well in the cup final. But then I say to him, well, what did Giggsy do? You know, yeah, absolutely, yeah, just about to say that. And we cancelled each other out. I seen Giggsy the other day. Actually, we had a laugh. But you know, I look back and I just think, did the occasion get to me? Maybe. You know, did I enjoy it? Of course I did. It was like you can't ever take that away from me. I played for Liverpool in the cup final. Like you know, that's it. Would I have liked to, of course, or would if I could change, go back in time and change something in my Liverpool career? It would be yeah. win the cup final, win that day. 
you know, there's lots of tears afterwards. You know, we took tremendous stick about the suits. It's become iconic because of that. And listen, That's we're talking it. about twenty odd years later. So that's it. If you'd if you'd won the game, nobody would have would have cared about about the suits, you know, at the end of the day. But that's like you said, that was the era at the time. You know, you touched on it brilliantly at the beginning. Is that's the way football was going, and there was these deals that were happening. And you know, Jamo had that um, contract with Armani, so it was just it, it was an easy fit, wasn't it? And that's that, that's what happened. That's how the suits ended up being the colour they were. But you know, have you still got yours, by the way? No, mate. I took the soccer AM, and um, when they asked me to bring it down. I found it in my wardrobe and it was it was literally from the day I put it in the cup final, I it hadn't it hadn't been moved. The flower was still in the lapel. Wow. And wow. I took it down and I gave it to Helen Chamberlain. And when I was when I finished the show, she said, What are you doing with your suit? And I went, you know what? It's that it's brought back such bad memories for me. You can have it. And I give it to her. And I seen her at Cheltenham two years ago. And she went to me, I've still got your suit, you know. And I went, Don't ever <laughs> give it away. Don't ever give it away because it's it's actually worth like fortunes. So yeah. I said, you know, I'd be disappointed if you sold it. So oh, if, yeah. if you want to sell it, give me it back because I won't sell it. So, you know, so um, it's a little bit of piece. It's a piece of football in history. Isn't it? it is. I mean, you, you look at a lot of, you know, um, Hall of Fames and all that down the years and the National Football Museum, it's mentioned there as well. So it's one of the things where you get to the point to go, I'll just fucking embrace it. Yeah. Well, a nice suit, so what? You know what I mean? Yeah. And the thing is, white suits are getting more popular nowadays as well. So you just go, do you know what? I set the fucking trend, but, you know, we are where we are. <laughs> I'd never wear it again. It was such a bad, ill-fitting suit. <laughs> up in, like, two minutes. It, there, was, yeah. there wasn't time to do the alterations. There wasn't time no. to change it. It didn't come the colour. You know, we picked a lovely brown colour, actually, Italian brown, mm. like, lovely. We, You know, we knew what we wanted. Um, and I just don't think they had the cloth to do it. I just think they yeah. they went, ah, we've got to do these suits. That's the nearest we can get. Wow. But we'll make 15, 20 suits in that cloth and we'll send them down there and that's it. Done. You know, yeah. but, you know, they from a fashion point of view, they they're not thinking they're gonna get stick if they don't win this match because of these suits. They're just thinking, yeah. you know, our names all over these. And when it gets talked about you know, good or bad press, it's us the talking about. It is indeed. Early 90s, you know, with Ireland, you know, we used to go for a pint with the journals. They they travelled with us. We were friends, cattle there. Yeah. You know, um, Hi, Paul Highland and all, um, Neil Lennon. Not Neil Lennon. Um, what was his name? Lennon. Paul Lennon. You know, we were, we were all close. Um, and they protected you. And we give them what they needed. Back page headlines, yeah. stories, what, you know. And that was the relationship. And then through the 90s, News of the World, The Sun, you know, the gutter press, they they started young journalists trying to get ahead in the game. We're looking for, you know, front page stories as opposed to back page stories. And, you know, the kiss and tells started making money mm. for people. And, you know, it just got toxic and relationships broke down. They become a bit of an enemy. Yeah. And, you know, journalists, you know, they were as bad as, you know, some of the stories they were writing about us, they were as bad as, yeah, them, you know, the bad as the, the, story, the people they were writing about in the stories, you know, drunk and smashing hotel rooms up and messing around. And, you know, I know journalists who, who got up to all kinds, and but then they go and write a detrimental story about a footballer and they think they yeah. were exonerated because they write the stories. And it was just, 
it got toxic and we we ended up not giving them stuff. They ended up seeing the backsides and you know the relation all the relationships broke down. So you know it was um a story written by a journalist writing for the mirror, I think. He's still yeah, around. I don't even remember his name. Um and he just, you know, the Spice Girls were on tour massive yeah. at the time. And we Mel knew, was a Liverpool fan as well, wasn't she? So we knew her. She'd wore a McManaman shirt in a concert. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it came from that really, you know, the Spice Girls and these five of the Spice Boys. Yeah. It, it was very detrimental against us because we felt. You know, we felt it wasn't our talent and it wasn't our attitude and application to what we were trying to do. You mm. know, we, we were as professional as Man United, as professional as Chelsea, Arsenal, Newcastle. You know, we, but because United were winning, you know, they weren't, you know, they weren't giving That's the tag. That's it. If you were winning, you know, if you're winning trophies under that moniker, you'd be like, yeah, sound Spice Boys are champions, but... Like you said, mate, it's just a bullshit thing that some journal came up with. And again, just, some of them just don't deserve the time of the day. Some of them are absolutely sound. But yeah. some of them are just, they're just out there to just, it's like clickbait now on the internet, isn't it? They put out a really headline so people will click it. That's what it was back in the day. It's just, nowadays, it's just a click of a button, isn't it? To get people to read the headline. Wasn't it? Back then, yeah. you know, it, it was the start of it, really. Mm. Again, you know, the 90s, you know, people say to me, you know, would you rather be playing now with the money? I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. There was bad bits about the 90s, but in a whole, you yeah. know, the things and it, it changed. Probably it was the, the decade where lots of things changed. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I played in that decade. It was probably was the, the best decade to, to play football in. Um, yeah. I'm biased because, I, I, you know, I was part of it. But, you know, again, you know, we're talking about, you know, the bad side of it. That, that's probably where it did change. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's sad really because we had really good relationships with with certain mm. gym, a lot of gems. So, so yeah, it was it was difficult. Yeah, we're at Highbury. Uh, Matt Wright plays the ball into the box. Uh, Fowler takes the ball around David Seaman. Fowler goes down. Gerald Ashby uh, whistles for the penalty, and Fowler gets up and says, "No, it's not a penalty." So, first instance, which you're thinking, "What are you doing, Rob? Shut up!" Um, but yeah, t- talk us through. That, that little moment which led to your first league goal? We played Forest, um, I think the weekend before, because it was a midweek game, wasn't it? Uh, under yeah. the light, Ivory. And Dean Saunders had elbowed me from a corner and I'd had 15 stitches in my head, opened me right wow. up. And, um, you know, blood everywhere and I got stitched up. Um, I got stitched up at, at the ground, and then and then the doc put another two stitches back into when I got back to Anfield that night. Didn't know if I was going to play the Arsenal game, but I I always had the fear if if you're not in the team, someone's going to take place, and you yeah. could be out a long time. So you know, I just said to the gaffer, "I'm fit," and they put up this big white plaster over my head. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> so you remember it because this big plaster on my head. And, um, you know, we were playing well. We were playing really well in the game. And then Robbie went around seeing and gets bring that, brought down, as you said. And then I, I always, you know, was on the edge of the box for penalties. Um, I wasn't back. And um, I always used to just gamble. Like, you know, I'd, what I'd do is I'd stay 
probably seven or eight paces behind everyone who's on the line, as if it's a mm. standing start, like as if it's a sprint. Yeah. And I, I, my run would be in time with Robbie's run for the penalty. So I would, by the time he took the penalty, I would be on the line, but I'd have the run on the defenders. Of course. And, I mean, everyone's like, says to me, you know, did he miss it on purpose? He didn't miss it on purpose. No. Uh, it was a good save. You know, if he wanted to miss it on purpose, it'd be wide or over. Yeah, just don't say that. And he- Do you know what? I had a, um, a good record as well against Arsenal. It's funny, as footballers, you, you know, you like going to places because of memories Previous and mm-hmm. scored up, you know, I scored up worldy there for, for Bolton in the FA Cup. We knocked them out the FA Cup. Yes. Uh, that we, it was a draw up in Burnham Park. We went down to Highbury midweek game again and I scored a worldy, come back off the bar or the post and I hit it on right on the edge of the box, but I drilled it, the old tango ball. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh mate. That's that right. And um, yeah, and it flew past Seaman, like smashed an air. And so, Obviously, I had that memory from there and winning a Bolton. Um, so yeah, it was nice. It was nice to score down there. You know, it was. You no, know, it was a. It wasn't so much a tapping. You know, I had a bit to do. Oh, good finish. You got to get there and score it, haven't you? And then it was nice because it was their end, wasn't it? And I, you know, I ran and just slid on my knees, and and it was just nice. It was just nice to get your first Premier League goal in them circumstances. Yeah, especially after smash. No, <laughs> Yeah, that's me. Roy Evans is looking and going. He smashed his head. He's had 15 sits and he says he's fit and then scores a goal. No, no. standard. He's, he's starting again next week. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, we go back to that that season and again, it was, we, we were so good. We were so good that year and it just, results just dropped off towards the end and it must, it was heartbreaking for us, but it must have been 10 times worse for you because there must have been something in your mind going to that last four or five games of the season going, do you know what? We could do it here. If I remember rightly, we were top around March, April, weren't we? And yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes it's about handling the pressure. You know, we talk about this team now, don't we? And you know mm-hmm. what they do, you know, is, is so important as a development of a of a football squad. You know, you've got to be in it to win it. You know, they would have learned so much from Madrid getting beaten that final. Um, you know, to then to go on and handle themselves the next year against Tottenham, albeit you yeah. fancied them against Tottenham, but I, I would have fancied them against anybody that year because yeah. of the experience they'd had. Plus, they'd been in the Europa League final. Sometimes you've got to lose. You learn more in losing than what you do. You know, in winning sometimes, you know, we hadn't, as a, as a group of players, we hadn't really gone through any kind of emotions that we could draw experience on. You know, we, mm-hmm. we were kind of you know, we were up there top, not knowing again management, and that's not me saying ever. Me saying management as as a group of players, not yeah, absolutely. How to get over the line? You look mm. at Man United, the amount of last minute winners. You know, the amount of one nils they had. Yeah. You know how Fergie dominated the press and kept the players away from pressure. You know, we kind of just took everything on the chin, and and tried to play our way. And mm. sometimes it just wasn't the right way to do it and you know we come up you know we come up the um we come runners up didn't we and and you know it, it, it is difficult because we had that much talent in the in the squad and you know yeah. your leg you want to leave a legacy and you want one that is you know especially you know the history of the club you want to be part of the history of the club in, in a good way you know we're spoken about more as 
the Spice Boys really and how good we were and never got over the line. And mm. sometimes it's, you know, because we were good enough to win it. But there was there were loads of different parts to make up a winning football team. It's not yeah. just about going out and playing on a Saturday. It's about handling games, managing games, squad rotation, you know, all things that play a big part now that yeah. we quite know back then. It's, it's absolutely spot on. Like you said, you know, the, the lads went through it, didn't they, with losing in Kiev, coming back the, the year later, you know, 97 points winning. It, it, again, it's all about you've got to go through those tough times to, to, to make you appreciate winning more, haven't you, at the end of the day? That's what it's all about. A, a fan base has to do that as well. You've got to go through the tough times to really appreciate uh, when you do finally lift the trophy. And you, people say, oh, you're milking it now. And I was like, listen, you've got to enjoy it because that could be the last time you experience it. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I cried my eyes out when we won the Champions League, the second goal, when Divac scored the second one. Um, and you're right, you know, just to be part of it. But I did feel as well, like, you know, and I'm sure I can speak for the lads, you do you do carry it around with you, mm. you know, as, as ex-players who, you know, and you, you maybe have underachieved. You do carry that burden around. And, you know, a lot of my mates are the older lads, although Ronnie... Gary Gillespie, you know, the, the Steve McMahon. You know, I hang around with a lot more of them than what I do with the team that I actually played in, although I see Macha and Robbie quite a lot as well, Babsy. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you do carry that burden around and, you know, we like to reminisce, but, you know, to talk about it now, it, you know, it is difficult because, you know, we had the opportunity and you can't turn the clock back and you can never go back and try again. And it is what it is. So when you yeah. re- re- you know, you turn the last page, and as much as it was great, you turn the last page where it says the end and you never quite got there. So Yeah, but going back to that, I mean, I was gutted when, when Roy left. I really was because I loved him. I just thought he was brilliant. You know, I had, I had the privilege of meeting him once a few years ago, um, last, last game of the season against Wolves. And he's just such a gentleman. And I said to him at the time, I said, you gave me some fantastic memories. And for me, when Julia came in, you know, again, it was the if we talk about here and the, the, the position you've got to go into, it was always inevitable that was going to happen. And it was inevitable that the writing was on the wall for him quite early. And I just, I felt really bad. But did you feel that change? Because when I spoke to Sean Dundee, he said that he felt the change and he knew eventually it would be finished. But again, you, you were in and out of the squad, weren't you, that, that final year? And you, you, you're out, you're in again. And it was a bit... Oh. It was really messy, mate. Yeah, it was a, it was a sad, sad time. Um, you know, we took we spoke heavily about evolution of football through shirts and you know the nineties and stuff. But again, it plays a massive part. You know, France had won the World Cup in ninety eight. We'd had an influence because of the money into the mm-hmm. Premier League. You know, of foreign players, um, different ideas, culture, football was changing. Business was now coming into football because there was a lot of money there to be made on the pitch, but certainly off it. Um, commercially as well clubs were having to move in a different direction so so yeah so you know it was you know what you do so you either stand still which Liverpool did commercially Mm. um, or you move with the times and you try and move away from old school mentality and you know that's what Liverpool did for Roy it was always going to end in tears because you've got a kid, you've got a fellow who went there as a kid yeah. who was a player who got injured, who then went in on the staff, who was there from 
I think the only thing he didn't do was drive the bus, and I reckon he might have done that. <laughs> um, who ends up manager, you ain't going anywhere else but the sack. So it was always yeah. going to end years for him, but it was a job he was never going to have to turn down. Yeah. So, so for Roy, yeah, it was it was a sad, sad time, and for me, it was disappointing because I was part of that. Um, you know, it was actually Jack. Um, I was doing a, a a promotional thing for the club and for Reebok, so I went went to Asia. Uh, to do a PR um, thing. And on the plane there, he told me there was um, Gerard Houllier was coming in. I didn't really know who Gerard was, what mm. his background was, um, but I obviously I knew he was French. And that's when Jack, you know, he told me that there was going to be a, a joint manager um, situation. And, uh, you know, when I got back, it was quite apparent, you know, because we were so close to Roy and we were his team and his boys, you know, Gerard brought his assistant, Patrice Burgess, with him. And, you know, it was very apparent that we treated them, we kind of alienated them because, you know, if they told us something to do or that if they said we want to do this, we then go to Roy and go, listen, yeah. I don't want to do that. Or, you know, why, you know, why, why is he want me dropped and all that? And, mm. you know, my, my thing where I, I kind of knew it was over before anybody else because we played away in Spain. And um, we had pre we had the pre match, and I went to my room, and the phone went in the room, which is always the dreaded phone call just before you leave for the game. Um, and it was Evo, and he said, "Can you come to the room?" And I, I went up to the room to his room, and I went in, and he said, uh, "He said, listen, he said, I I wanted you to play tonight." He said, "But well, um, Gerard wants Patrick Berger to play," so he said, "I can't fight anymore. I've had enough." I've just had enough. That's the end of me. So I was like, no, Gaffer, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Listen, I really appreciate, you know, you fighting yeah. for me, you know, to play tonight. But um, I remember it being in the room and he was upset and he said, that's it, I'm done. And I, I kind of didn't know what to take from it. I was a bit like, um, yeah. really understanding the full, well, what you were talking about. And then we went, Patrick played, I come on a sub. And then we got back um, and then he announced that he was he was done. And we were at the training ground and we knew something was going on. Mm. And then came from the press conference at Anfield and he came in and we were all in the dressing room and he addressed the lads and he was in tears. And we were like, like you know, I was in tears, a lot of lads crying. And um, he just said, like, you know, Gerard's going to take it on. You know, you've been brilliant for me and this club means everything to me. And you know, hopefully I'll see you in the future and good luck. And he, he left and he was just, he was like a kid crying. Wow. And we were just numb. It was just a numb dressing room. And then I felt Gerard was like, it was kind of that dick dastardly moment. It was like, mm. I've, got, um, I've got you exactly where I want you now. Yeah. I've, I've kind of got rid of him and now it's on me. And yeah. now you was I say, and it kind of a lot of the lads, a lot of that, like I, I, you know, I felt the club was breaking away, you know, very traditionalist I am, and the boot room was got, was getting carved up. Yeah. Ronnie, had, Roy had gone, Dougie had gone, and I was a bit like, I don't like it, I don't like it, don't like this manager, I'm not one of his. And then, you know, I was fighting 
you know, with Vegard Hagen to get in and out the team. Mm. But I, I didn't see Vegard as a threat. I was better than Vegard Hagen. It was just that, you know, I was sulking. I should have rolled my sleeves up earlier and got on with it. I left it late, got back in the team. And then Gerard brought Rigobert Song in. And, you know, that was, what you know, you just think, you know, yeah. do it. Yeah. And I had an international career. I was in and out of the team. Didn't like Gerard. Maka was going to Madrid. He was leaving on a Bosman. Robbie was injured. A few of the other players had left. Razor had gone. And I just felt, I just felt a bit lost, really. Mm. And um, I look back now and think I should have, I should have stayed till the end of the season. But Brian Kidd was pecking me head about signing for Blackburn and my agent, you know, at the time was like, you need to get out. And my international career was suffering because I was on the bench because I wasn't playing. And yeah. it just all one where I just went, I'm leaving. And I went. Well, what I'm taking from there, and this is synonymous with um, the work that you've been doing, is mental health. Yeah. Uh, and I think what you've done for yourself, because, it, you know, mental health has been around for decades, but it's just people haven't been speaking about it as, as openly as they have the last what, six or seven years. But I think at the time, what you've done there is the right thing for yourself because you're in and out of the side, you broke your leg, you come back, you scored two goals against West Ham, finished the season strong. You know, you've been through, um, you know, personal tragedy yourself with your friend Rob. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it, and then you're back in the side again, you're out of it by January. You know, infamously, your last game was the FA Cup game at Old Trafford when we were winning with two minutes to go. Um, you've done the right thing for your mental health. And I just think not a lot of people will take it that into consideration. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think it, it's right because it's so important now, mental health, and it, it was right back then. You did the right thing. Yeah, it was. I mean, I look back and think you should have stayed and, and fought a bit harder, you know. Um, and possibly you might have got back into the team. I might I might not, you know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's... Well, let's face it. You were better than a few of the players. I'm not going to name names, but there was a few players in that squad that you had more ability than. Do you know what I mean? Carragher was pushing for a place. You know, I'm not going to argue he had the better ability. I'll let you two argue over that. I'm not saying that. Um, but he, he was doing really well and we knew he was going to be a star. He was embedded into the squad. But other players, like I said, I'm not going to name names, you had a better ability than... And yeah. it's a sticking point. It's a sticking point. It is. And, you know, it's one we, we can't turn the clock back and go, well, what, what would happen? You know, it's hypothetical if I'd have stayed. You know, it's one of them. And you've got to live with the consequence of, you know, I didn't and I moved on and you can't look back kind of thing. But, yeah, as the mental health goes, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, there's a lot of things, like I said, you know, not winning anything at Liverpool, it hurts, you know, playing in that team. You know, I wouldn't say necessarily it, it disappoints, like I, I get like mental health problems from it. It's just, you know, when you reminisce and stuff, you, you'd like to, you know, shut that book and it'd be a lot happier that last page. Yeah. Me, book would have been a nice picture to end on, but it doesn't. You know, it, 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 it's not the fairy tale ending. And, and you know, to, to grow up a Liverpool fan, you know, and then to sign for them, to play for them and give everything, literally everything, like you say, break your leg, you've had stitches, you've lost big games, you know, you've gone through thick and thin with them. And then to be discarded, you know, it kind of, what it opens up is like, it become a job when I left. Football yeah. wasn't, football was just, it was just this thing I used to do because I absolutely loved it and would have done it for nothing. And the day the day I left and signed for Blackburn, 
mate, when I signed for Blackburn, I'd done the press conference and I was, a journalist asked me about leaving Liverpool. I started crying. I, I was crying in the press conference because I'd left Liverpool. I just wasn't over yeah. it. And I just don't think I ever got over it. And maybe you're right. Maybe mental health, yeah, it plays its part. But I don't think I ever got over leaving Liverpool. And it took yeah. me a long time to go back. Long, long time to go back. And people, it's not just about... It's not just about leaving a football club and leaving its players. You know, Paul or Anan, who, you know, used to work at Melwood, who used to do the, you know, worked in the canteen. You know, they were like, they were like our mums, them two. Yeah. You know, they were like our mental health counsellors. They were, you know, we go in here. The amount of times I used to go in crying and they give you the big hug and tell you it was all right. You know, you get dropped and you go, you play Saturday, you go, no, I've been dropped, burst out crying. They'd hug you and they'd be like, yeah, get this sausage sarnie down you. Do you know what I mean? It, like, you know, you you go in, Tom Saunders would grab you, Steve I would grab you, come here. Like, why did you do that on Saturday? Do this on Saturday. Give you a little slap around the back of the head, but, yeah. but in a loving way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it. you know, the, the, the biggest cliche is it's a family, but, mate, I can't tell you how unique that football club is. And mm. I'm back there now as, as an ambassador and waiting for the telly. And, you know, I feel back like I was playing again. It, yeah. It's that kind of that environment. The club's obviously massive now. You know, when I was there, there was, what, 60 people working there. Now there's 600 people working yeah. there. You know, and, you know, I just feel, you know, a big part of the family. I was 50 in the summer there and I was in Qatar and I was on my own in the hotel room and, you know, my missus put the cards in my, in my case. Oh. And I didn't open them, but I opened this big card. And it was from the commercial department in, in the club. And I'd been away with loads of different people in that department. And they'd all put their fav- their favourite photo of them and me. It like And they oh, made a couple of photos. They'd all wrote on it, happy birthday. And, you know, I was oh, I'd have been in bits. It's like, you know, it's it's what that club's all about. And I go in and work for the telly and we have a great relationship. Peter McDowell's like one of my best mates. And, yeah. you know, then Alex, I go and see Alex Inglethorpe at the academy and I go for a coffee. The physio lads will give me treatments if I'm hurt. I'll ring the doc up if there's something the matter. You know, Jim, I'll speak to Jim. You know, it's like, it's just, it's just a real, like, it's an institution. Mm. And, no, I can't thank Jürgen enough, you know, for taking it back to what it, what it really is about. You know, Billy Hogan gets it from, you know, he was commercial man, he's now CEO. You know, Peter Moore was fantastic at that because he was a fan. He brought a lot back. He's a big, yeah. you, know, you know, influence in that because he knew. And yeah. old place now, I just go there and I, you know, I, I stand at the corner of the pitch doing LFC TV and the cops to me right. And I just feel like every one of them is me, mate. I just, yeah. you know, just love looking into the crowd and people nodding and waving and like that. And, you know, I get, I see the kids and they come and I try and get them round on the pitch a little bit to, you know, because I know creating memories is is what it's all about. And that's what we're there to do is create memories for them kids to go home and go and remember it for the rest of their life. And, you know, I like being a part of that. And this football club is unique for that. There's, mate, I played for different football clubs and I've enjoyed my time at Sunderland, loved Bolton. Blackburn was hard work, but I, I liked it. There's nothing like Liverpool Football Club. Nothing. Yeah. And 
you know you've got to give yourself a lot of credit in terms of the influence the club has had. Like you know, said the for example the tsunami charity match you set up. Yeah. You know that was just an incredible thing that you did off your own back. You know you say it's easy to ring a phone number up and you know donate ten pound, put it down, and never forget about it. Then, but the stuff you created for that game was incredible. I mean. We're mates with Harvey from So Solid Crew, so he never stopped going on about the goal he scored. And, you know, you gave him that opportunity to achieve his dream. So it's little things like that. And it's the influence the club's had on you. But you mentioned before about uh, the book and the, the chapter that, that, you know, the last page of that. Do you not think that book is completely endless now, considering what you've done for the club and now you're back with it? For me, I don't think the Jason McAtee Liverpool storybook's closed. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean... You know, it's it's another chapter. I don't see it as you know the end of the book. I think the end of the book will always be what it is. But um, you know, it's another chapter, isn't it? It's kind of like it's a book. You know, if you actually look at my book, the one I've done, it's a full story. And then at the end, you know, we finish with the mental health stuff. But yeah. then if I, to, you know, I then shut that book down. I if I was to open that yeah. book up or chapters. You know, it's gonna go, it's gonna go like that, and then it yeah. goes like, you know, when you're right, you know. I think I shut I shut the book I've made, I've done, I shut it on a you know, it's on a poignant note, but it's it's it there. Is. But mm -hmm. if I opened it again and put different chapters in, you're right, you would shut it and it would finish here because you know what they've given me, um, you know, what they've given me over the last, I mean, I've worked for the telly now for, for nearly 12 years but commercial five or six and it's getting stronger and stronger and yeah. you know, great memories with them all over the place but you know now I'm going on tour with the team I was mm -hmm. in America with them you know I went to Australia with them um, you know I know I know the staff John Ackerberg's a very very good friend of mine you know I'm living I'm living the the fans dream inside the ropes yeah oh so, yeah so, you know, when you're crying at the Champions League final, mate, and, you know, you're all giving with Peter McDowell and you're crying on the telly because it means so much, you know, they're the things that, they're the things I look back on very fondly uh, and make it all worthwhile because... Um, cause you were yeah, one of us. You were one of us. You were one of us crying on the telly. That, you know, that was all of us. We just weren't on the camera. That was you. You, you were one of us that night. You always yeah. are, but that was just synonymous. It was, yeah. it was, it was a great moment, great moment. I got told off that, that night, actually, for um, dig, digging FIFA out. <laughs> um, sorry, UEFA, um, for giving away all the tickets and not letting more Liverpool fans in. I had a right go at UEFA to come off the telly and when you're in trouble, I was like, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, well, there's more memories to be made, mate, and that's the... Uh, there is indeed. What would you say was your, your favourite or your best moment? Signing was surreal. That was like... You know, when, when your agent goes, Liverpool want you, you're like, you know, you never you never think it's going to happen. You dream as a kid and you run around the park as Kenny Dalglish scoring goals in the FA Cup final. Of course you do. But like when when they actually ring you and go Liverpool and then, you know, you, you, you're at Melwood and then all of a sudden, you know, you walk to the dressing room, your kid's hanging up. Mate, you feel like a superhero. It's, it's hanging up your names there. You look around the dressing room, the old dressing room. You can feel Kenny and Keegan and Toshak and Iway. You can feel them in the dressing room and you haven't lost that touch. It was magical. It was just magical. Yeah. And then to put it on, it's like your armory. It's like, 
you know, and then you're down the steps, you touch the sign, you come out to them, you'll never walk alone. Oh, mate. That's the, there it's we go. Like, that is like the perfect moment, yeah. Perfect moment. Yeah, yeah that would be my best and my favourite. I mean... Yeah. You can't, you can't beat it, can you? Yeah, I think my favourite, mate, I think my favourite is to walk out, was walking out at Wembley. Yeah. You know, the walk from the, the, the tunnel to the dressing room, uh, to the to the centre of the pitch. Mm. That's probably my favourite because it's another dream. It's another box six. That's I was just about to say that. Just about. No one can take that away from you. Superb. Yeah. Superb. Yeah. Um, well, listen, mate, I, I am so sorry. I've taken up nearly two hours of your time. I could talk to you all day. It's been a... Really enjoyed it, yeah. Sorry for... Yeah, we'll, we'll just get back together again and, and sort it out. I really but, appreciate it, mate. All right. I really on. do. Listen, all the best, mate, and I'll speak to you very soon. Take care, mate. Good luck. See you, mate. Cheers, buddy. Sports Social Podcast Network.